0: You're going to hear a message today that the rest of the campuses are not hearing. In Bricktown, we have a special guest speaker that's there. He was there last night and there this morning and all. And then in Bayville, on our Bayville campus, which is like, I guess from here, probably about 35, 40 minutes south, I guess, um, there's another um, guest speaker who was here at a midweek service during the summer, Pastor Joe Cantonese. So, um... I was like, okay, Lord, um, this is going to be a, a, a one-time message, and it's going to be specific for this campus here. So it's praying and, and trying to hear from God, because you know it's good if the pastor prays and tries to hear from God, right? Yeah, nice. <laughs> it should be that way, right? And so um, a, a message kind of dropped in my heart that I wanted to deliver, you. and it's kind of like if there was a sequel to last week's message, this would be it. Because I don't know if you've ever had the experience to teach, uh, if you've ever had the experience to conduct a Bible study. What ends up happening is as you're presenting your material, you start hearing other stuff on the inside. And so very much, it's very much true that as you teach, you learn. And so there were some things that kind of stood out from the series that we had over the past two weeks about uh, relationships. How many were here for that? Uh, how, many, how many enjoyed that? How many, how many was a blessing to you? I'm sure Pastor Rick did a fantastic job here. So, so here's what I want to share with you. Just let me review really quickly, because last week and again, we finished that two-part series on relationships, and I feel like this is something that's really, really important for us to really hone in on right now, because how many of you, of course, no, this never happened to anybody in here, but how many of you had friends that just went stupid on you during covid the rest of you are trying to be really nice. <laughs> Did you notice that people that were very solid at one time before, PC, very solid PC, all of a sudden they're like, who are you? I don't even know who you are anymore. And so uh, uh, what we've noticed is that relationships have suffered because of the fear, the pressure, the confusion, just a just sense of chaos. Relationships have suffered. And so I felt like, like the Holy Spirit was moving us in a direction, and get back to this again. You know, we taught in the past. We taught on relationships, obviously. Uh, the whole Bible is about relationships. It's either about our relationship with God or our relationship with each other. And so, uh, let me let me just bring a couple things up that stood out, and then we'll get into the rest of the message. In studying this topic about how to safeguard relationships, we studied one particular verse of Scripture. Uh, that really, really, really kind of like sealed it for us. Colossians chapter three, verse one. Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, and and I don't know if Pastor Rick pointed this out, but I'd like to point it out. That word if up there is really a bad translation. That word if really should have been translated since, okay? You understand? If we read it that way, therefore since you have been raised with Christ, because this letter is written to the church, yes? Yes. It's written to believers? Yes. Yes, okay. Um, I don't know how Pastor Rick is, but I need amens for me to go on. Because that tells... I don't need it from my ego, trust me. But it tells me, okay, we got this. You can go to the next. You almost missed it. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Look at this. Keep seeking the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your minds on the things that are above... If we're if we're commanded to set our minds, that tells us that there's going to be times where our minds are going to be all over the place. Anybody ever experienced that? Okay. So we're told to keep seeking the things that are above. In other words, just because you're born again and you're going to heaven, you're still living on the earth. So while you're living on the earth, set your mind on the things that are above. Not on the things. Set your mind on things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth, okay? Two important commands. Keep seeking the things that are above where, where Christ is. And number two, set your mind on the things that are above. It's always about above, above, above. Then, then something came out of me when I preached this the first time a couple of weeks ago. And it was, have you ever had one of those light bulb moments? What do we call them now? We call them a what? Aha. Uh-huh. Aha. Uh-huh. Go ahead and say it. Aha. Uh-huh. One of those aha moments. And I found, this is what came out of me. The reason we need to keep our focus on the things that are of Christ, the reason we must say, set our mind on the things above, because our soul, p- point to yourself, p- point, say soul. soul. Our soul needs to focus on Jesus if we're going to have healthy relationships. I'll say it again. And, and so this teaching is about soul health. Our soul is going to have to focus on the things that are above if we're going to have good relationships. Why? Let me explain this to you real quickly. I, I, I know I'm getting away from my notes, but I'll get back. Do you realize that we've been created in the image and likeness of God? Yes. You realize that, right? So God, God exists in a tripart form, right? God the Father, God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit. So, so tripart, just three parts. Okay, one God, three parts. So if we're created in the image and likeness of God, then there should be something tripart about us, right? Because otherwise, we could not really say that we're created in the image and likeness of God. And it's true. The real person who you are is your spirit. That that is who has been created by God. That is going to live forever. Your spirit is who you really are. When we get to heaven, don't look for this short, fat, bald guy. You're going to say, where's Pastor Joe? He's going to say, he's the guy, the jacked guy over there with the full head of hair that's him, because in my spirit, that's what I look like. Okay, you got it? So, so your real person is your spirit. That's who's been created like God, because God, Jesus said God is spirit. Now, the next part of us is our soul. Now, our soul is made up of our mind, our will, our emotions. That is your personality. That is a place of character. That is, that is the thing about us different than our spirit. Our spirit has been made perfect in Christ when you got born again. Okay, we'll talk about that scripture later. Okay, but your soul has been formed, has been developed, has been fashioned by everything that you've been exposed to here on this earth from the time that you can remember. And even before you can remember, we've been impacted by things that we don't even remember anymore. And then the two of those are locked in this body, which thank God at some point is going to get Renewed, Amen. Anybody over forty years old said, "Amen." So, the area that you and I get in trouble with in our relationships is not in our spirit, because our spirit isn't like this. It's it's Christ-like. Our spirit's perfect. The area that you and I are going to mess up relationships is going to be near of our soul. It's the damaged areas of our souls that cause problems in relationships. If When we get to heaven, we're spirit to spirit. We're not going to have any personality conflicts. We're not going to have any, we're not going to look down on anybody. We're, gonna, we're certainly not going to have any grudges, because if you did, you're not getting there anyway. Uh, <laughs> there's not going to be any unforgiveness. You understand what I'm saying? We don't have a problem. The only problem we have is we're not there yet. Yeah. We're here. And we have souls. And our souls, we find out the more that you get to know somebody else, uh, my wife and I married. We celebrated our 44th anniversary in August, and we're like, "Who are you?" Because your personalities—how many of you know your personalities change? And when you've been together this long with the same person, we have flipped personalities back and forth about three times over the 44 years. Okay? Um, do I go there? Yeah. I I did a teaching many, many years ago. Some of you have heard me mention this. And um, we're talking about relationships, right? All right. So uh, (laughs) Anthony, come up here. Dan, come up here real quick. Um, Bill, can you come up here without abandoning your post? Um, Sir, can I ask you a question? How old are you? Beautiful. Come on up. <laughs> now let me put let me put you in some order here. We're talking about souls. We're talking about relationships. Come over here, sir. Just right here. I'll go from from this from this sample. Ladies, this is who you fell in love with. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> then you get married and and. You're still in good shape because now you got this guy. (laughs) But now the decades keep rolling by. Now, there's no problem falling in love with this guy and no problem sticking with this guy. I love you, Pastor. But about 25, 30 years later, this is who you got to fall in love with. (laughs) And then once you retire... This is who you're going to spend all day with. (laughs) So the point is, your soul's got to be healthy. Otherwise, you're not going to transition from here to here in a healthy way. And we're joking around and making light of it, but it's serious because, you see, if your soul's not healthy, this is why you have people later, later in life that all of a sudden then end up in divorce court. After being married for decades and decades and decades, and raising children and grandchildren, and everything else, and that's not God's best. Amen. Amen. Now I'm not. Please, I'm not trying to shame anybody. No, I'm not trying to offend anybody. What I'm trying, the point I'm trying to make is, when we keep our souls healthy, when we get over the damage, when we resolve the issues, when we allow God to just walk us through and navigate through life, you're able to transition to every season of life and still not kill each other. You got this? Can you give it up for these guys? You got my point? We're talking today about healthy souls, and that is a rarity. Because like the Holy Spirit said through Paul to the church of Colossae, Set your mind on things that are above. Fix your mind. Keep your focus. Why? Because everything that your soul and my soul is being exposed to on this earth is not setting us up to be Christ-like. It's undermining our Christian life. It's undermining our Christian walk, if you want to put it that way. It's undermining our relationships. Because everything you and I are being exposed to through, through media, and coming from our society, is teaching us to be more and more selfish and more and more self-centered. It's all about you, it's all about you, it's all about you, it's all about me. It's all, you don't believe me? Go to Barnes and Nobles and go find how many books are written there about self. Self, self, self. And it's completely contrary to, to, to the Christian life. Jesus is like, no, lay your life down. Jesus is like, pick up your cross and follow me. Jesus is like, if you want to be the greatest, be the least. He even said, I am among you as one who serves. So, so if you're not careful, your soul's going to be in this tug of war. Because your spirit is wanting to pull you one way, but your soul, because it's being exposed to everything unhealthy, is going to want to pull for you. Pull for the flesh, for the body, to gratify The things of the flesh. In fact, Paul wrote to the Roman church, make no room for the flesh. Make no opportunity for the flesh. If you recognize you're weak in an area, stay away from that area. Okay? Here's the other point I want to make. The reason why we have to focus on the things that are above, focus on Christ, focus on where he's seated, focus on all the qualities of Christ, is because if I'm going to destroy a relationship, it's not going to be because of my spirit. It's going to be because I did not keep my soul healthy. I allowed stuff to creep in. I allowed wounds, betrayals, hurts, disappointments. I may have allowed selfishness to come in. I may, have been so, I may have become so obsessed with myself that I really don't care what happens to anybody else. Those are the things that are destroying our relationships. Are you listening to me? Those are the things that, that are going to put you in a counselor's office for years. Yet, the Scriptures, especially in the New Testament, you realize everything, the Gospels are all about Jesus, right? Then you get, what's the next book as you continue going in the New Testament? The book of Acts, right? The book of Acts is the history of the early church. That's wonderful. It's nice. I like to read that. But once you get past the book of Acts, and now you're in the book of Romans, all the way till the end, and then the book of Revelation, you got what's going to happen in the future, Okay? But everything in between here is instruction to you and to me of how to live on this earth without driving somebody crazy. Are you getting this? How many of you do not want to drive somebody crazy? The rest of you are like, yeah, I'm going for it. <laughs> how many know what I'm talking about? How many of you do not want to be the source of someone's grief? Man, we've got a bunch of sadists in the room today. <laughs> And, you know, a lot of this comes down to the fact that our relationships are unhealthy is because we entertain unhealthy perspectives of ourselves. I, I hope you're getting this. A poor self-image is always, almost always a recipe for disaster. And then what happens with a poor self-image is people fall into the social media trap. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Social media trap. You're chatting I have friends all over the world. You don't even know if they're real. <laughs> and so, what happens? You, you, because your soul is damaged, you want to cry out to somebody. You want to, you just want to <sighs> I'm hurt. You want to vent. So, you vent to somebody in France. And, and, but she's my best friend. He could be a guy sitting there in his boxer shorts, and you're communicating with this person, you're trying to vent all your soul, and you don't even know if they're there. And so what the trap is to create this false image on social media that only lives here. Let me tell you this story here, okay? Because some people go out of their way to create an image of importance. There's a story told about this newly promoted army colonel. He sat in his big brand new office behind his big brand new desk, And a private knocks at his door. Just a minute, the colonel said, I'm on the phone. He picked up the phone and said loudly, yes, sir, general, I'll call the president this afternoon. No, sir, I won't forget. Then he hung up the phone and told the private to come in. What can I help you with, the colonel asked. Well, sir, the private replied, I've come to hook up your phone. That's one of the ones when you want to crawl under your big brand new desk. <laughs> but that's the danger of, of, of unhealthy self-image, unhealthy soul. And, and truthfully, as we're here this morning, and I believe that the majority of us are probably, would probably identify as born-again, spirit-filled Christians. We're, we're children of God. The truth is that we still have some unhealthiness in our souls. And that's what we need to be working on while we're here. I've spent many a day praying, Jesus, don't come back today, please. I don't want you to find me like this. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, give me a couple of days to get, you know, polish some things up. I mean, come on. How many know what I'm talking about? We said, Jesus, come back. No, not today. It's not good. I don't want you to see me like this. And yet... God's already told us what his intentions are for us. In the third letter that John wrote in the New Testament, not the Gospel, of John, third John, verse 2. Beloved, this is the Holy Spirit speaking through the Apostle John. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. Could you say that last, the last part of that verse with me, nice and loud? Just as your soul prospers. That's what God's interested in. Our soul prospering. Why? Because when our soul prospers, we don't have to hide. When our soul prospers, we can be a great example of the Lord Jesus Christ to those that don't know him yet. Now, of course, this has never happened to anybody in here, but how many of you know of Christians, like, the last thing they should tell anybody is that they're a Christian? (laughs) I remember people that were in my life. You know, very early on, and I got born again at age 27, from, from about 17 to 27 were probably the worst 10 years of my life. Absolute worst. Uh, wouldn't come out of the room for a few days. It, just panic attacks, completely intimidated. I mean, panic attacks, with every, vomiting, the whole bit, everything, okay? Can't tell you how many dinners my wife and I left on restaurant tables because all of a sudden the attack would come on and we'd have to, I'd have to leave. I'd just have to run out of the building. So um, where was I going with that? Oh, so, so now watch this. At 27 years old, I get born again, and I'm on fire. Nobody's safe. nobodys I'm telling everybody about Jesus. And, I, and I'll never forget, there was an older couple that was in our lives. Uh, could have been our parents that were that age and gotten close to us. They were also in the same type of business they were in. And so, naturally, these are the first people I, I went to talk to. And uh, I said, hey, hey guys, listen, uh, I got born again. I just want to tell you about Jesus. And they both looked at each other and started laughing. Oh, we've, been born, we've been born again for years. And I went, what? These are the people that, took, people that took me to Atlantic City teach me how to gamble? These are the people that told me how to cook my books in the business? <laughs> and when they said that, there was partially anger, like, are you kidding me? You knew about this and you've watched me? I mean, I was, I almost committed suicide. Uh, You you knew this and you didn't tell me? We don't want to be those people. Our souls need to be healthy. Why? Because there's somebody in your life that's dying in front of you. They might be smiling, they may be all dressed up, but on the inside, they're dying. And you've got it. That was a good place to say amen. Amen. We need to get to that place where we we give up unrealistic expectations of others to meet our needs because only God can meet those needs. Only God is going to get you a healthy soul. He is the only one that has the the power to complete you. Okay? And all of us... There's not one person on the earth right now that is completely out of their minds that all they want is peace. All we want is to be able to live a life that's content, that's fulfilled. We want to be able to help others. We want to be able to do these things. But man, sometimes we get ourselves in places where we're so messed up in our heads that you find yourself spending all your time just thinking about, how am I going to get through this next day? When you're like that, you don't have time to think about the person down the street who may be a single mom who's trying to raise their kids. You don't have time. You don't have the energy. You don't have the compassion in you to think about a family member, a coworker, uh, somebody from your past. All of a sudden, maybe God puts it on your heart. You're like, we'll never say this, but on the inside, we're going, hey, God, I got enough of my own problems right now. I don't have the energy to take care of somebody else. I don't have the compassion to take care of somebody else. We get distracted in our minds because every day we're trying to figure out how can I get rid of this thing or that thing or the other thing? Is this, is this making sense to anybody today? Yeah. Philippians chapter four, verse seven. Is it can't be 77. It's verse seven. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That's where we want to get. That's where we want to get. And the best way to a healthy soul is to begin to see ourselves as God sees us. You listen, I'm going to say it again. The best way to get to a, a healthy soul is for us to see ourselves the way God sees us. And the best way to do that is find out what God says himself. This is how our souls prosper. You getting that soul prosperity? Soul prosperity. <sighs> you ever get to that place where your body finally relaxes, your mind kind of shuts down a little bit, and you kind of, that's how we want to live, right? Yes. But we're in a world that's just constantly cranking us up. We've got to be able to hold on to that. Only way to do this is have a healthy soul. So, let's find out what God says about it. These are the things that you and I must set our mind on, focus on, keep our, keep our attention on, so that we can be saturated with those in our soul, so that then it will reflect in our relationships. And people might actually start to like us. (laughs) Number one truth. Get get this in your heart. I would write this down if I was you. Put it in your phone. Do something. Number one truth that you need to know to start heading towards a healthy soul is that you are deeply and completely loved. You you can already feel it. (sighs) Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 3. Prophet Jeremiah an amazing man of god wrote this down the lord has appeared to me of old saying yes i have loved you with a, what kind of love everlasting, everlasting love. love therefore with loving kindness i have drawn you you getting this picture with loving kindness i have drawn with and one translation says with cords of loving kindness i have can you just see it that loving kindness The bible tells us it's the goodness of god that leads us to repentance to turn around and to head in his direction. You just get this picture of God just kind of lassoing you, like here, and with cords of loving kindness, with mercy, with grace, with understanding, with acceptance, he draws our hearts toward him. Now, why is this scripture so important? I'll tell you why, because if you read this in context, the entire book of Jeremiah is about God issuing a warning and a final judgment to the nation of Israel. He's saying, I love you, but you're going to start having to experience the consequences of your decisions. And so Israel's going to go into bondage. They're going to go into slavery. Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. The temple's going to be destroyed. Jeremiah's warning them. Yet there's two amazing passages of Scripture. This is one of them. What he's saying really in original language is, from eternity past, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And with cords of loving kindness, I'm drawing you to me. Now, I know you sinned. I know, Israel, you've gotten into idolatry. I know that you put other gods before me. But way before you decided to sin and way before you decided to wander off, I already committed my love to you. Are you listening to me? You know what the other amazing scripture is in the book of Jeremiah that we quote all the time but don't realize the context? Jeremiah 29, 11. It's not in there, so don't worry about it. God says, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And really, in the original language in Hebrew, it says plans connecting you to a future. But he said that to them while he's declaring judgment over them. He said that to them in the context, if you're going to go away for 70 years, I still love you. But you're showing me you're not going to learn your lesson until you get the consequences. I still love you. The plans I have for you are good. They're not for evil. They're plans to attach you to something in the future really good. And I've loved you with an everlasting love. That's amazing. That calms our soul. That causes us to become... Why? Because all of us sin. And all of us wander our hearts wander. Now, we're here today. And we've got our focus on him today. We're raising hallelujahs all over the place this morning. But we're going to walk out these doors, get in our cars, and we're going to have to face the world that we face from Monday until Saturday. And sometimes our hearts can wander. And the, 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 the worst part about it is, when we wake up about Thursday or Friday, and we realize that our heart wandered all week, then the enemy comes and says, look at you. You shouldn't even go to church Sunday. How could you even go there and raise your hands and say, and what do we have to do to get our, 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 our soul healthy? We gotta remember that we are totally and completely loved. Would you turn to somebody and say that? You are totally? Look, I wanna get through this today, okay? I got some really good lunch plans. (laughs) Now do it like you meant it. Turn to somebody and say, you are totally and completely loved. Add this, with an everlasting love. love. It's committed to us. Amen? Amen? Praise God. I, I told this story a couple of times. And I kind of make things up in my head. You make things up in your head? <laughs> I think of pictures. And so I, I, on this topic one time I was doing teaching, and all of a sudden as I was studying for it, praying for it, I was like, I get this picture in my heart, like, of this big file cabinet. And the angel's going, pulling up the file cabinet where it says S. <laughs> for source. <laughs> and an angel pulling this file out, going to Jesus and go, did you know about this guy Joe Source? Because I'm looking at his file here and he's done some stupid stuff in his life. And he's not done yet. <laughs> and I, know, I just picture Jesus going, Yeah, I read the file. I know. Know what he's like, know what he's done, know what he's going to do in the future. Yeah, I, I, I'll keep him. You listening? Because he'll say the same thing about you. Because there is a file. Number two, if we're going to have healthy souls, and if we're going to have lunch soon. <laughs> number two, you are totally and completely forgiven. Totally and completely forgiven. I always get this question, and I, you know I just think about myself. Well, well, Pastor, like, I know my sins have been forgiven. Like by the time I got born again. But like, what about the sins that I commit since I've been born again? And I'll ask the question. Well, let me ask you this question. Did Jesus die on the cross way before you were born? Yes. Yeah, 2,000 years ago. Is anybody in here over 2,000 years old? Okay. So, so when he died on the cross, he put, all of your sins were in his future. All of your sins were in the future when Jesus died on the cross. He died on the cross for all of those sins. Now, oh, so I don't have to ask forgiveness? Oh, no, no, honey. No, it's just honorable for us to go to God and say, I know you forgave me, but Father, I want to come to you and just say I'm sorry. And 1 John 1.9 says not only that he will forgive us, but he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because, you know, when we're out there acting like stupid, like non-Christians, we pick things up and they get stuck in our soul. And so he promised not only to forgive us, but to cleanse us from the junk you and I pick up when we're out there where we're not supposed to be. You got it? Completely and totally forgiven. Colossians chapter one, verse 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us or transferred us into the kingdom of the son of his love. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption, you've been bought back, redemption means to buy back, Redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins—it's done. It's a done deal. Okay? Why is that important? Because the enemy will always try to bring it up to you. By forgiving our sins once and for all, Jesus transferred us from one kingdom into another. Listen to First uh, John chapter two verse twelve. I'm going to read this to you from the Passion, a paraphrase of the Bible. Okay? I remind you, dear children, your sins have been permanently removed. Because of the power of his name. Now, Romans chapter 8. I don't know about you, but Romans chapter 8 to me is, I I believe, is a special chapter. The entire book of Romans is really good. But in Romans chapter 8, you have Paul who, out of his own mouth, said that he was the worst sinner of all. Here's a guy who was arresting Christians, persecuting Christians, hated the name of Jesus, hated anybody that acted on his behalf. Killed some is so so uh, determined and driven that he doesn't only want to arrest the Christians in Jerusalem and the surrounding areas, he's going to go all the way to Syria, to Damascus, to arrest the Christians there. I mean, that's come on, calm down, Paul. <laughs> so later on in life, he's, he's thinking about this. And remember, because you remember Paul's life, later on in life, it tells us that when Stephen... When St. Stephen, the very first martyr to be killed for his faith, was being stoned to death, Paul, whose name was Saul, was there. In fact, it says he was holding the cloaks or the robes of the people who were stoning Stephen to death and gave his consent. Now, here he is years later, and he had to be pondering constantly, thinking, man, I'm a jerk. I've been terrible. This is, oh, how am I going to, how's God ever going to love me? So when you read what he talks about in chapter 8 of Romans, compared to the backstory of Paul, man, you realize this guy got a revelation of the love of God. Now, the interesting thing that I I think is great about about the 8th chapter of Romans, it begins with no condemnation and ends with no separation. Romans chapter 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Because we are forgiven, guilty condemnation no longer have a hold on us. The enemy of our soul does not want us to know that. The enemy of our soul wants to constantly bring up the things that you did. From the point when you walked into this building, or possibly even now, to as far back as you can remember, the enemy is always going to try to make you focus on that part of your un healthy soul. But there is no condemnation now. To who? To those who are in Christ Jesus. Who do what? Who walk according to the spirit, not according to the flesh. And then, and, then, and then he comes down in Romans chapter 8, then verse 38 and 39, towards the end of the chapter, the guy who thought, how could God ever love me after all I've done? You remember when Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus, Jesus said to him, Saul... Why are you persecuting me? me? How'd you like Jesus to come on your face and tell you that? So, by the time he gets to Romans, to the book of Romans, decades later, he's had to work through all this. He's, listen, he's had to get his soul healthy again and not allow his conscience, his unrenewed mind, the voice of the enemy to keep him Saul the persecutor. But rather, think on Paul, the one who loves. Romans chapter 8, verse 38. This is Paul. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, nothing in creation, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now listen, if you, don't, if you don't grasp the truth of this, if you do not settle in your heart forever, that number one, you are totally, deeply loved from an everlasting love, and if you don't get it in your soul that you are completely and totally forgiven, you're not going to develop healthy in your soul. And when your soul is unhealthy, you're going to develop unhealthy relationships. Why? Because everything you struggle with on the inside, you are always going to project on somebody else. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You getting this? Number three, third, thing, third truth from the word of God that we've got to grasp and hold on to and uh, digest and let it absorb in us. He, this is, for me, this is probably one of the most important things, I think. I don't know. He is committed to your restoration. Well, wait a minute. I'm born again already. Oh, yeah, you're born again. Where are we born again? In our spirit. Did your soul get born again? No. Your soul needs to be transformed. Your soul needs to be renewed. Your soul needs to become healthy. And, and as we proceed there, guess what? You're going to make mistakes. You're going to fall back. You're going to fail. Oh, Pastor, I do not think you should be speaking that. Uh, can we just be realistic here? Come on, let's not kid each other. What are we going to do, put like a 24-hour day body cam on you? Okay? You're going to make mistakes. You're going to fall. You're going to wander. These things, or at least you're going to be tempted to. And sometimes we go with the temptation a little bit. So what happens then? We need to be what? Restored. He's committed to that. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. This is the scripture I was talking about before. But when I, when, I, when I found this scripture, I was like, oh, my God, why didn't somebody tell me this like 20 years earlier? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. Watch, talking about Jesus now. Watch this now. For, read it with me. Don't read it out loud, but just read it with me. For by one offering, he, Jesus, has perfected forever, you, those who are being, come on, being what? When I first read that, I was like, What? this doesn't make sense. For, for by one offering, which is Christ on the cross, he has perfected. Well, if I'm perfected, why am I being sanctified? You catching this? Because our salvation is instantaneous. Our transformation is not. We will spend our lives, our entire lifetimes, being sanctified. What does it mean? Be sanctified is a very religious word, very holy word, You know, King James word, sanctified. What does it mean? To be set apart. So from the moment that you said, Jesus, I believe in you, Jesus, come into my heart, be, the, be, the, be my Savior, be the Lord of my life, you receive salvation instantaneously. You're saved. Your spirit has been made perfect, but your soul hasn't. So he perfects us. So if we take our last breath, regardless of what condition we're in, we're going to heaven. Why? Because your spirit was made perfect to Christ. Because you don't go to heaven based on what you do. You go to heaven based on what he did. Okay, you got this? Yeah. You're getting this, right? Yeah. Okay. So, so this act of sanctification now is me getting separated more and more and more away from this world, all the things that I'm exposed to, and, my, and myself being more and more consecrated, dedicated, separated unto God. The more that happens in our life, and the more that we allow that to happen in our life, the healthier our soul's going to become. The more stable we're going to be. The more, what's the word I'm looking for? Balanced. And I don't mean the balance between compromise and welcome with God. I mean balanced in God, where you're actually going to be useful to another human being. I think if God had consulted with me when he first put this whole thing together, looking back now, I would have said, you know what, Lord? It might be a good idea that after somebody gets born again, they automatically have to go to like a, uh, like a training camp where they're isolated. Don't let them talk to anybody else until they get some of these things worked out in their soul because some of us have been doing some damage to other people down here. You know? And so... Um, But when you know that he's committed to restoring you, it makes it a lot easier. Um, The enemy doesn't want you to know that. That's why you'll hear sometimes in your mind, oh, God can never forgive you with this one. He forgave you the last time. God will never use you now. God will never use you again. God's just, you're out of it now. He doesn't want us to know how committed the Lord is to us. Salvation is instantaneous, but transformation lasts a lifetime. Now listen to me. God receives us just as we are, but he loves us too much to leave us the way we are. Okay? I gotta move quick now. All right? One of the most misunderstood portions of scripture in the Gospels is found in John chapter 15. Can we go there? Verse one. Watch Now, Now watch. We're going to go step by step with this. We're going to go quick. You're going to listen fast, right? Yes. Listen fast. Jesus speaking. I am the true vine. My father is a vine dresser. So we got two individuals here. We have the vine, and we have the vine dressers, okay? Every branch in me, the vine, that does not bear fruit, he takes away. That verse of scripture used to petrify me. That used to scare the whatever, out of me, okay? Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Verse three, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. It's talking to the disciples. Verse four, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in the vine. Abide in me. Most times, this is taught exactly as it reads, every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Now, I don't know if you've got a Bible, if you're looking in your phone. But you go back to that scripture. Now, the next one. Now, in my Bible and in my notes, where it says right between the word fruit and he, there's a little a if you would click on that or look up it in your in your Bible, you know you remember books. <laughs> you go to a footnote. That footnote says that this can be translated "lifts up." Now that makes a big difference. Let me explain to you very quickly, and I hope you'll understand it very clearly. No vine, if you if you own a vineyard, and you're going to make it your business of what that grape fell in the mud. That cluster of grapes, cut it off, throw it away. Next one, cut it off, throw it away. By the end of the day, you have no profit left. So this can't mean that whatever doesn't bear fruit, he takes away, he cuts them off and throws them away. None of us would be left. So when you read it, and I went and researched it because it was like, man, this thing has scared me for decades. And I realized that in original language, it's better translated lifts up THEN I DID SOME RESEARCH AND I FOUND OUT THAT THE VINE DRESSER IS THE PERSON WHO IS RESPONSIBLE FOR THE CONDITION OF THE FRUIT. AND THE VINE DRESSER GOES THROUGH THE VINEYARD WITH A BUCKET OF WATER AND THE SOFTEST KIND OF CLOTH HE COULD POSSIBLY GET, AND WHEN HE FINDS A CLUSTER OF GRAPES, THE FRUIT, TURN AROUND AND SAY, YOU'RE THE FRUIT, IN A NICE WAY, SAY, YOU'RE THE FRUIT. So when he goes through the vineyard and finds a fruit that's fallen off into the mud, into the muck, where all the bugs are, where all the mold is, he lifts it gently, washes it with water, pats it dry so it doesn't get mildewing, moldy, and then puts it and ties it back on the vine. That's a big difference from anybody that doesn't bear fruit. He takes him away. You getting this? He is committed to us. Why is that important? Because most of us, if we didn't know this truth about God, would walk around feeling constantly condemned, constantly hopeless, constantly... And that's exactly what the enemy wants. So that when we're unhealthy in our souls, we destroy all the relationships around us because we'll say something stupid like this. It's your fault that I'm like this. Isn't that the most insane thing that we could possibly say? It's your fault. You made me lose my temper. You made me say that. You'd made me, you'd, you, you fill in the blanks. You getting this or what? Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Healthy souls. Number, and number four, remember that. Whenever you read John 15, Get that picture of the vine dresser, the person that's responsible for the fruit. He wants to save as many as possible. Pastor, you don't know how many mistakes I've made. I don't. You don't know mine. Trust me. Get that picture. And go to the Lord and pray, Lord, I've fallen off the vine. You're still connected, but you know that trellis that they set Sometimes a branch will fall off and just wallow in the mud. He comes, he lifts it up, he washes you with the water of the Word, comforts you with the presence of the Holy Spirit, and then reconnects you back to that trellis again so that you could bear more fruit. Last and certainly not least, you are not now, never have been, and never will be alone. I am with you always, Jesus said to the disciples. One of the last things he said before he sent it to heaven. I am with you always, even until the end of this age. Are you listening? You're not alone. He's with you. Pastor, I have nobody left. My family's all gone. My friends are all gone. And listen, the older we get, the more familiar that becomes. But we're never alone. In your worst time, in your darkest time, you were never alone. He's with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Get that in your soul. Because people do desperate things sometimes when they think they're alone. People do desperate things sometimes when they think nobody cares. There's nobody to listen. He loves you. He loves us. He's forgiven us once and for all. He's committed to restoring us whenever we get stupid and fall off the vine. And he's always with us, no matter what, always. That, friends, should create some healthiness in our souls. Push out the stuff, any voice, any lie, anything you're entertaining that's contrary to those four things, you refuse them, you send them back from where they came from. Cause your soul to become healthy when our soul becomes healthy, our relationships are healthy and they're a blessing to others. Amen. I'm so glad that you're all here today. I'm so glad that I had the opportunity to bring this message to you. And I don't know everyone that's here and I hope that you give my wife and I the opportunity to at least say hello and introduce yourselves before you leave today. So I can't assume that everyone here already has that relationship with the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. So if you're here right now and you've never had the opportunity to just pray a very simple prayer that just said, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I want you to be my savior. I want you to be my Lord. I believe that God's raised you from the dead. You've been resurrected. So Jesus, come into my heart. If you've never had that opportunity to pray that simple prayer, I want us to do that now, all of us together. I want every one of us, and listen, if this is your first time, you say this from your heart, the Bible guarantees that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That if we would confess with our mouth what we believe in our hearts about Jesus Christ, that we receive salvation. There may be some of you that are gonna pray this prayer as an act of rededication. Maybe you're one of those great clusters that fell off The trellis fell off the vine. And you're realizing today that you need the vine dresser, God Almighty, to lift you up, to wash you and cleanse you, and to reconnect you to the vine again. But whatever reason you're praying that, let's pray it with faith in our hearts. Amen. Say this together with me Father, I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe. He died on the cross to pay for my sins. And I believe that you raised him from the dead and that he's alive right now. And he hears my prayer. So Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. I place my trust in you. For the rest of my life, I will live for you. Thank you for making me a child of God, in Jesus' name, amen.